Assalamu alaikum guys, welcome to the Millionaire Muslim Podcast. If you've not tuned in before, this is a podcast by islamicfinanceguru.com where we talk about halal investing, finance and entrepreneurship. Jazakallah khair for tuning in. Today we've got a really fascinating interview with Roshan who is the founder of Five Pillars. Roshan is going to talk about his journalist journey and about his entrepreneurial journey in setting up the Five Pillars website. And there's so much to learn from Roshan, whether you're interested in the journalism field or not. If you are even vaguely interested in entrepreneurship, it's a really great interview to understand how Roshan went about setting up Five Pillars, how he grew it, how he got traction and so on. So definitely do give it a listen because there are lessons that we can all take from this interview. And if you are interested in the journalism field, then Roshan has asked people to get in touch through his Facebook um the five pillars facebook page and if you if you want to volunteer or do do some sort of outreach with five pillars get in touch with them there they will respond inshallah so before we dive straight into the interview don't forget to visit our website for more content our website is islamicfinanceguru.com and also in the description i've put in links to roshan's book that he talks about uh, and i've also put in a link for the Five Pillars donation campaign, which is currently live. So without any further ado, here's the interview. And to uh, Millionaire Muslim, uh, the Islamic Finance Guru podcast. Um, it's absolutely fantastic to have you. Um, and I've, I've known of Five Pillars work for a number of years now. And mashallah, you guys are doing fantastic work. Uh, and I thought it would be useful for our audience to share in it and also to learn from you, frankly, on the various things that you've been up to and the experiences that you've had in uh, growing your platform. Um, so, so Jazakallah Khair for coming on. Um, it might be helpful if you just go through your, you know, where did all this start? I mean, Five Pillars obviously is, is like a, almost like a pinnacle of your or the end point of your uh a long story, a journalistic story. Where did all that start? Assalamu alaikum, Ibrahim. Uh, thanks for your, your kind words. Uh, inshallah, I hope it's not the end point. You, you're talking as if I'm going to die soon or something. <laughs> but, uh, uh, inshallah, I've got yeah. three years left. Um, uh, do you want me to go into my background first, or, or should I start with five pillars? Um, I think background would be interesting. So, like, okay. obviously, you're a journalist. You know, I, I know yeah. that you were, used to work in Iran at a certain point. Uh, uh, sorry for press tv in um yeah uh in the uk and also abroad yes i've worked all over the place i mean briefly i mean without going too much into my personal background i was born in sri lanka i'm 45 years old now so uh, that's probably ancient um for you uh, <laughs> but um yeah i was born in sri lanka my father sri lankan muslim my mother uh, was a uh, is a uh, was rather a Christian from Wales, and she converted when she married my dad. Uh, I was brought up in Sri Lanka and then in the UK in North Wales, um, and um, yeah, from uh, a very young age, I wanted to get into journalism. Uh, I kind of fell into teaching after university simply because I was a bit of a, a drifter and I was a bit lazy. I didn't really 100%. I had the drive to become a journalist, so I took the easy option, and then I soon realized it wasn't the job for me. I wanted a job where I would be happy and motivated, and that was more important to me than money, actually, uh, because I, I figured we spend so much time in work, we have such a long career, uh, you better enjoy it, you better enjoy and be fulfilled in your work, uh, right. and inshallah, hopefully the money will come as well. 
so that was my reasoning. So I got into um, local newspapers when I was about 23, 24, um, doing very dull stories in a maidenhead in Berkshire. Right. Um, yeah, uh, you know, kind of village fates, council meetings. I used to go to the fire station every morning, the police and the courts, you know, cat stuck up a tree, that kind of story. And it was very small time and very boring, but an excellent training, actually. Uh, it, it really trained me how to write properly and uh, how to uh, be in a professional environment because I was young and quite unprofessional. Uh, and it gave me that structure, which I think I needed and still serves me well, uh, you know, 20 years later. Um, and then I went to London Weekend Television, which I guess was my first big break into some kind of more kind of big time journalism. Right. Okay. And I would I would work on, you know, with journalists like Jonathan Dimbleby, and I would travel the world doing travel programs, nice, and political documentaries, and even more light lighter programs. I remember working on a program called Fat Club, yeah. uh, which was basically um, a, a, a huge ITV program which was watched by about 15 million people per episode. And I've never had an audience like that since. Um, and, um, yeah, it was basically following uh, very obese people over a year. Wow. Losing weight. Yeah, losing weight. And they, they lost the weight through a combination of kind of dieting, uh, or not dieting, but mo eating moderately and doing exercise. So, uh, you know, I, I worked on uh, very serious programs, uh, like, you know, really hard-hitting political documentaries and talk shows uh, to very light programs, more entertainment programs. And I think that brought me out of my shell because I was a shy Muslim boy in the mainstream media, completely kind of different to my white work colleagues. Uh, and, and uh, you know, I did feel kind of a bit strange in that kind of environment. But at the same time, um, the, the people skills that you need to be a journalist to yeah. kind of enter because that's where you get your stories from you get your stories from people yeah. and contacts and uh, you know working in the mainstream even though it wasn't for me uh, and I wasn't doing the kind of journalism that I wanted to do that was important to me as a Muslim yeah. it still taught me those those skills I needed to become a good journalist um, that makes sense I go on or do you want to <laughs> no no, that, no that, makes, that makes a lot of sense yeah. um, and um, would you say that uh, where were you working in which area of the UK? I asked because you know you said that um, your your colleagues were mainly not from your background. Uh, so, yes. were you, I mean, were you in uh, a city at the time? In was this? Because oh, I was in London. This was in London. Uh, London Weekend Television, which is right in the, the centre of London, makes a lot of the big programs that you'll see on right, okay. Channel Four. Um, and um, yeah, as I said, I mean, there were a few other Muslims there, but the kind of Muslim that tends to get into the mainstream, and it's even the case today, or who tends to have a successful career in the mainstream, yeah. tends to be, unfortunately, the, the kind of Muslim that perhaps leaves their Muslim background at home, you know, right, uh, okay. and they don't yeah. kind of they don't kind of bring it to work or they're trying to hide it because that's how you get on. If you kind of, you're, if you're an overt Muslim, I'm not, I'm not talking about, you know, putting the prayer mat down in the office and, and, you know, walking um, around in Jubba. Yeah. Walking around in the Jubba and basically shoving it in people's faces. But I just believe that um, journalists, you know, Muslim journalists in particular, we should represent our communities because we're so underrepresented. Right. Um, right. And that we should bring a part of who we are, into the journalism that we do and quite frankly i couldn't do that on 
programs like Fat Club or, yeah, or even, yeah. even the political journalism I did. I remember once um, we did a program on Palestine in the Jonathan Dimbleby show. Yeah. And, um, you know, they said, all right, let's get a, Zion, let's get a, a member of, uh, uh, you know, the Israeli government and let's get somebody from Fatah, the Palestinian Authority. Right. And I suggested, well, why don't we get someone from Hamas too? Yeah. Because they represent at least 30 to 40 percent of the Palestinian population. Hmm. And it was the idea was just vetoed straight away. How can we do that? How can we do this? is a program we made in Palestine. Wow. And how can we do that? Yeah. How can we do that? Because then we'd be demonizing the Palestinians and we can't have terrorists on our show. Hmm. And I said, well, look, look, we're going there to listen to what people say over there. We're not trying to impose our ideas from the West on right. the situation. Hmm. And that that kind of idea was completely poo-pooed. And, you know, it was that kind of experience that led me to think, I've got to get out of the mainstream. Uh, I've got to take the skills that I've learned in this kind of five or six years I've been in the mainstream, and I've got to get out of it and do some Muslim journalism. And that's what I did. And and, and that's where you ended up with, I think, Al Jazeera. You worked for a period yes. of time and uh, Press TV as well uh, for a certain period of time. How did that come about? Yes. So I'm... I, I moved to Doha uh, for about uh, two or three years, um, and I worked on the English-language website of Al Jazeera. This was uh, uh, just before the time the English Channel launched, so we're talking over 10 years ago now. Wow, okay. Um, and it was a great experience in terms of um, just living abroad. Uh, I made an effort to learn you know, decent Arabic, even though Qatar is a place where everyone speaks English, but I, I, I learned a good level of Arabic because I really tried. Uh, alhamdulillah, and I was able to travel around the region, and I, I spent uh, a month in occupied Iraq, which was uh, a, an incredible experience, uh, just, just being in that situation. Uh, but, but to be honest, most of the time, I was sat uh, behind a desk in Doha, and Doha is basically a, a desert um, uh, with 50-degree heat uh, for six months of the year, and it's not exactly conducive to uh, great journalism. Hmm. Um, so uh, I actually got quite bored out there, believe it or not, even though I was working for one of the biggest brands in the world. Yeah. I was used to kind of traveling a lot and being on the road, which is what I really loved, getting out there, meeting people, having experiences, being in war zones, being in, you know, in dangerous situations, really. It's what get my, gets my juices pumping. And um, I couldn't really do that in, in Doha. And there was no easy way to get a promotion as well because there's a lot of nepotism in Al Jazeera. And there's, um, you know, a lot of things bad. bad it's bad, It's quite badly managed, in mm, fact. Right. Okay. Uh, and, and for those reasons, and also because I was away from my family in, in Britain for quite a long time, they didn't really settle out in Doha, I decided to come back to the UK and landed up um, with a big pay cut uh, at Islam Channel. Um, Interesting. I, 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 yeah, because obviously Al Jazeera is one of the biggest brands in the world. It's quite, it's quite well funded and you earn a big expatriate, no tax pay packet out there, you know, the, the Gulf lifestyle. Um, but, um, uh, you know, and I went back to Islam Channel, which was just a, a startup in those days. Just, it just started a year year or two previously and i launched islam channel news which was the um which was the kind of first muslim news bulletin it only lasted for the time i was there unfortunately um but uh, it was the first attempt to actually put um you know in the form of a news bulletin the, the muslim news at, at home and abroad and i think maybe a few older people uh, older listeners might remember it uh, and it was a great experiment we had a great time doing it but unfortunately, it didn't last because of funding. Uh, and then I ended up leaving as well to go to Press TV. 
Um, and uh, on and off, I've been at Press TV for 10 years now, and um, I still work there, um, as well as working at Five Pillars. Uh, and I've been all around the world with Press TV, uh, covered a lot of Arab Spring stuff in Palestine, in Libya, in Lebanon, uh, wars, earthquakes, natural disasters, elections. Uh, so, yeah, I've, I've had quite an um, interesting and varied career, alhamdulillah. Yeah, it's, it sounds um, like it. Yeah. It sounds like you've been basically on the pulse of whatever big news has been happening in the Muslim community yeah. over the last I've had a few front, I've had a front, Yeah, I've had a front seat in, in terms of uh, Muslim history, I think. Uh, obviously, there's so much Muslim history that I can't be everywhere. But um, uh, in the last few years, I've, you know, as my family have grown particularly, I've made an effort not to be on the road all the time yeah, yeah. Uh, and worry my family about whether I'm going to come back in a body yeah. bag or not. No, that's um, indeed, but, yeah. Um, yeah, I had a good kind of, you know, maybe 10, 15 years on the road where I was um, traveling a lot every year. And, um, yeah, some some very dodgy experiences and interesting experiences. Right. Uh, but I'm a bit more boring now. So um, just before we move on to Five Pillars, because I, I, w I really want to talk about that. Um, I know you've got um, a, a book out as well. Um, yes. About your your essentially your life story and your uh, experiences as a Muslim journalist. Where could people find that, and what's the name of that book? It's called Confessions of a Muslim Journalist, uh, and it's available on Amazon. Uh, I launched it about a year and a half ago, I think. Uh, and um, yeah, you can you can get it on Amazon. Uh, you can get it at certain bookshops as well, like the IHRC bookshop uh, in Wembley, Preston Road near Wembley. Uh, but I think the easiest way for you, for people is to either buy a hardback copy, which is a bit more expensive. It's about nine pounds. Yeah. Uh, but if you read Kindle, uh, then you can get it for something like, I think, two ninety nine or, or even less than that. Nice. So if you're if you're happy reading on your Kindle, then do it that way because it'll be cheaper. And it's a good read. It's funny. It's it's fast moving. It's written for the layman. Um, and it's not all about me, 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 because that would be a bit kind of big-headed. Uh, but I try and tell through, this, through the kind of trajectory and narrative of my career, I try and talk about um, Muslim history, effectively, at home and abroad. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously living through a time of increased, you know, terror attacks, increased Islamophobia, uh, increased kind of government surveillance, etc., at home and then abroad. Uh, living through, obviously, the Arab Spring period and a period of turmoil uh, in the Muslim world. And I've had a kind of a, a front seat um, to see all that. So it's a book about journalism and how journalism has evolved, but also it's a book about recent Muslim history. Brilliant. Um, so we, I, I, well, I'll try and find it on uh, Amazon and then maybe share it in the description of the podcast Inshallah. so people can find it easily. Um, so um, Five Pillars. Uh, yes. So how, what is it and um, why, why did you start it? Well, the idea for a Muslim website had been germinating in my head for about 10 years now. Um, and it kind of mull, I mulled it around in my head and I sounded people out that I trusted, shall I launch this or not? And I have to say, most people told me not to. Um, in fact, everyone told me not to, <laughs> even experienced journalists and business people. And they said, you won't make any money out of this. The Muslim community won't support it. Um, we're a community that supports humanitarian causes. We're not a community that supports political causes. Mm. Um, and uh, others said to me, yeah, do it as a hobby if you want, but it won't go anywhere. 
um, some said to me, okay, the only way you're going to make it sustainable is if you take Saudi money, Qatari money, Iranian money, or Turkish money. Mm. That's the only way you're going to make this sustainable because they will supply you with funding, but you will have to do Iranian propaganda, Turkish propaganda, Saudi propaganda, or Qatari propaganda. Now, <laughs> I'm not... I'm not really into that. I, I, my vision was for something which was independent mm. that would really serve the Muslim community and the Muslim community alone. Right. Wouldn't yeah. have a sectarian agenda, wouldn't have a state agenda, wouldn't accept government money, but would just be something really grassroots. And because of the discouragement, I have to say, you know, w one thing I've learned uh, during the course of my career is that it's good to listen to people. And of course, it's good to take advice, but sometimes you've just got to go with gut instincts and and don't over listen to people. Sometimes you've just got to do what you think is right. So I launched it on a wing and a prayer with my own savings, uh, not investing too much into it, but investing what I could. Uh, I got my colleague Dilly Hussain on board. Are we, are we, uh, who I'd... Rosh, just out of interest, because I know other people will be listening to this and they might be thinking about setting up their own kind of yeah. platform. How much like money do you need? Is it below 10K? Is it above 10K? Yes, uh, I launched... Um, I'm, pre I'm prepared to give you figures. Um, so I got a mate to do the Five Pillars website. And normally nice. he would have... He would have um, for the, the level of website... Um, that I had in the early days uh, when Five Pillars launched. We've upgraded since then. Uh, it would have cost about £5,000, I think. Yeah. Uh, but he did it for £1,000. You know, he saw it as Sadaka Jaria, you know, yeah. so yeah, yeah. he did it for £1,000. So I launched with £1,000 in terms of a designer for the website. Uh, obviously, you have to have a hosting like GoDaddy. or yeah, yeah. You know, Effectively, you have to rent space out there right. on the Internet to host your website. And there are a few other things. But I think I launched Five Pillars um, for under £1,500, which just came out of my own savings. Um, and... We just started writing stories, myself and Dilly. I got Dilly on board. We had maybe a period of about a month where the website was live, technically live, but we weren't really broadcasting it to the world um, simply because we were doing a dry run. We were yeah. doing like three or four stories a day and ironing out all the errors that you make. You have to have a test period before you start any venture. Okay, uh, yeah. And we had about a month where we were – we, it wasn't live, but we were, we were doing it as if it was live, um, just so that we could figure out what mistakes we were making, our strengths and weaknesses. Um, and then after a month, we went live. And um, uh, on the day we launched, I think it was the Woolwich attack. Um, I can't remember his name. Michael Adebalajo, I think, killed yeah. Lee Rigby, the yeah. soldier. Yeah, yeah. And so, obviously, I don't want to say... You know, obviously, it's, it was a terrible event, but terrible events actually do make good journalism, right. uh, unfortunately. Yeah. And and we covered that event very quickly. We were down there. We were carrying stories that the mainstream media would never carry from a Muslim viewpoint. How were Muslims to blame for this? How do we react? Should we be kind of apologizing for it, et cetera, et cetera? And we got a lot of traction from day one. Um, and we got a lot of notice, and over the months, especially the initial months, uh, we were getting a lot of mainstream media appearances because, you know, this hadn't really been done before in this yeah. in this way. Yeah. yeah. And um, you see, I mean, Muslim obviously Muslim media had preceded us, and there were um, Muslim newspapers out there and whatever. But they, to be honest, I felt personally that they were all a bit boring. 
they they didn't really they weren't really grassroots they weren't really re reflecting what grassroots muslims were saying on the streets in the mosques in the community centers they weren't reflecting the alienation that we feel the anger that we feel um and and they were even compromising on islamic you know kind of religious concepts and political concepts and i i didn't feel as someone who lives and breathes the muslim community that this was where the muslim community was at mm. so yeah i wanted to launch something that was grassroots first of all uh, we, we prioritized the, the common man over any you know star muslim speaker or whatever uh wanted to launch something that was that had red lines in terms of islam you know and uh and political concepts like palestine mm. um like um you know prevent stuff yeah. like that yeah. yeah um and and something that really um was professional as well because a lot of muslim media it's not run by journalists it's run by people playing at journalists yeah. you know they fancy they fancy getting a bit of influence so they they kind of think let's have a go at this and they think journalism is easy whereas i know it's a trade like any other trade yeah you, know, you wouldn't you wouldn't trust um a, a student to cut you up in an operating room you you want a surgeon to do it you know right. and uh i felt that you know myself and dilly hussein my colleague were trained journalists were experienced journalists so i felt that we had a little bit of an advantage over everyone else in the sense that you know we we're, we're trained journalists we're independent we're not in anyone's pocket we can write whatever we want without fear or favor no one can put any pressure on us um only our readers can put pressure on pressure on us and we also wanted to launch something that was a bit exciting and and confrontational sometimes we get called the daily mail of muslim journalism <laughs> and um and i don't i think i take that as a compliment believe it or not because i mean obviously we all know the daily mail is a racist newspaper yeah and yeah. Uh, islamophobic and i don't want to emulate them editorially but they are widely read That's and true. i wanted to be widely read i didn't want to produce journalism that that no one reads and yeah, therefore i've employed some of the tricks that i learned in the mainstream about how to hook people who'll actually read the story and, and if they read the story then that will lead to a wider debate um Roshan, I wanted to um, ask you, how did you, um, a few questions, how did you go about growing? Because obviously you said you got traction mm. initially. Um, what, what kind of things do you do to actually get traction? I mean, you've, I know you've got 14,000 Twitter followers now, 300K plus Facebook fans. I, mean, I don't yeah. know what your email list is like, but I imagine it's pretty substantial. Um, and, you know, I imagine you get decent traffic because of all of your, um, yes. you know, your uh, followers. How, how did you get there? We got there by sheer hard work, um, by slogging every day. There's no substitute for that. Um, and I, mean, I, I like to think that both Dilly and myself have a certain skill set and talent. But ultimately, um, unless you have sheer will and commitment, if, unless you believe in your idea yeah. and your mm -hmm. concept, yeah. and in the down periods when you're doing stories and not many people are reading them, where you're not getting the traction that you want, you get through that period because it's ups and downs all the time. And in terms of our strategy, you know, I guess we're, we're both still working in full-time jobs. We're doing five pillars while working in full-time jobs, both myself and Dilly. So we're doing this in our spare time and we're trying to get four stories out a day, wow. Monday to Friday, 
two stories um, a day, Saturday and Sunday. Wow, okay. And and we have a lot of goodwill because we have a lot of contacts in the mm. community. Mm. So we get a lot of people sending us stuff, but we still have to proofread it. We still have to legally check it and stuff like that. Yeah. So um, I guess I guess we're both spending probably at least two hours a day on Five Pillars while doing full-time jobs, yeah. while having family. Uh, and we've done that for the last six years. Well, and sometimes... I can yeah. completely sympathize with that, um, running Islamic finance guru on the side as well. Yes, um, yeah. I, I, yeah. I know what it's like. Yeah, so it's a, there's no substitute for hard work, but you have to have a strategy. So immediately we felt, all right, we, we haven't got the money to get on the Sky platform. Um, we haven't got any money whatsoever, actually. So <laughs> let's, let's go for our social media um, because that's where, you know, we're aiming for a young audience. The Five Pillars audience is probably... Uh, 70% of them are probably 18 to 35. Interesting. Um, yes, yeah, so we have a young audience. Uh, the split is probably about 70% male, 30% female, which we're trying to address. Mm. Um, and um, probably we need to get more women writers because we've got two blokes running the site. So yeah, obviously, I, I guess our blokish personalities will come through a little bit. True, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's, that's something that we have to rectify. Um, so we went for Facebook, and we grew rapidly on Facebook. Uh, we really focused hard on, on Facebook and, um, you know, just uh, initially just growing it through our contacts and through word of mouth. We took out a little bit of advertising, but very, 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 very little because ultimately we just didn't have the money. So I guess we probably spent about £100 a month on advertising uh, on Facebook and elsewhere, and it grew the audience slowly. I mean, look, you know, other – other channels they'll they'll spend millions on advertising yeah, literally yeah. that's what so they do yeah. yeah and um and it grew alhamdulillah on facebook especially when we had viral stories exclusive stories whether they're opinion pieces or news stories that no one was covering you know right because yeah. they couldn't be bothered to turn up that's 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 a lot success in life is actually about turning up you know just mm. being bothered to go somewhere on time yeah. Uh, and when no one else is bothered to do that, that's that's what we found. We just turned up, you know, and and that was appreciated. And and um, obviously it's all on social media now. Twitter is a tougher nut to crack uh, than Facebook. Um, you need to put a bit more kind of um, effort into getting the followers uh, on Twitter. And uh, but it's really good for breaking news stories. That's when it can really go viral. Um, whereas Facebook is. Is more about the quality, I think, whereas Twitter is more about quantity. Uh, obviously, we have a mailing list. We have we didn't pay enough attention to the mailing list. I think anyone who um, is starting a business needs to uh, really look at that mailing list because that's really appreciated by readers. They 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 love getting that email, and that's yeah. like a personal yeah, interaction yeah, yeah. that you have one on one, which is so important. I mean, you can't be face to face, but newsletter. Newsletter is a very good way of getting, uh, building a personal relationship with your readers, building your brand. And then ultimately, when you ask readers for donations, then that's when it pays off. So I would say the newsletters, don't say, give me money, give me money, give me money. Mm-hmm. Um, what you should do is give people something free. Give it to them free. And then when it comes to fundraising, they'll be more receptive because you're giving them all this free material and they appreciate it and they're building a relationship with you. So, um, yeah, we do have thousands of people, of course, or more than that even now on our mailing list, even though we did neglect it in the early days. Uh, And in terms of how we sustain the business, um, 
we, we do it through donations, uh, and it's just readers donating through us. We have a couple of fundraising campaigns during Ramadan, and we're currently going through one now. We also have money coming in through advertising. Um, we have mulled in our darker days uh, when where it's a bit of a slog and hard work. We have mulled putting up a paywall or at least a partial paywall, yeah. which basically means we're charging people to read the content. Right. Yeah. Now, we've resisted doing that simply because we want to keep it free and open because we don't really see it. We see it as a business, but we also see it as a community service. And once you put up a paywall, then it no longer becomes a community service. It becomes more of a business. Mm. So so we've had, um, we've had to and fro kind of arguments about whether we should put up a paywall. Sometimes we've said, yeah, we have to do it because well, there's not enough money is coming in. This is so hard to sustain. And other times, uh, like now, when we're in a fundraising campaign and we're raising a decent amount of money, we think, all right, actually, no. You know, let's um, let's give it another year before we put up the paywall. Mm. But inshallah, the paywall will never come because the community will finance us. And just the final thing, I know I'm talking a lot, but the final thing I would say is that We've spent the last six years building up a brand, building up trust with our readers and building that relationship with our readers so that they will find us credible and trustworthy. And my um, my conviction is that w because of that, people are willing to give us money for free. We're not we're not we're not asking them. They're willing to become subscribers. For, for, they don't have to pay that money because they'll get five pillars content for free, even if they don't pay it. Right, yeah. But they're willing to do that because they believe in the idea of Muslim community media. Makes sense. Um, and do you want do you want to talk about that the the campaign that you're running at the moment? I know you're. I think you're aiming for what is it? Hundred and twenty five. I want to say. Yes. That yeah. Happens. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so we've been fundraising for the past uh, 10 days. Alhamdulillah, we've raised about 26, 27,000 pounds so nice. far. Nice, nice. Um, yeah, so it's, it's a good start, Alhamdulillah. And people donating from all around the world. Um, you, know, you know, we get the big donations, which tend to come from America and the Gulf. But I love the small donations from places like Bosnia, mm. you know, because people have no money out there. You know, they have no money. I've been to Bosnia. They're so poor and they're still donating 50 pounds or something wow. like that, yeah. which is, yeah, that's humbling and it places a real responsibility on my shoulders. Yeah, it, it kind of makes me think, um, it gives me real motivation that I've got to work for these people, you know. And if I'm feeling a bit lazy, no, I've got to go out there and, and bang out another story because, you know, we've got to give these guys something in return. And already on the back of, so we've made some promises. We're not just saying, um, give us £125,000 and I'm going to go on holiday to Dubai. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like this, this is not going into my bank account. This is, we're, we're, we're raising this money because we're going to deliver for our audience. So well, we've already commissioned an app, a Five Pillars app, which people can get on their smartphones. We're going to be hiring more journalists, um, whether on a freelance or a full-time basis. We're going to we're going to um, buy some studio equipment so that we can do regular shows. Uh, and uh, we're going to be doing some free training courses for Muslim journalists as well. Nice. Muslim journalists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, this money, um, it, you know, obviously it will go to journalism costs. Uh, it will go to admin costs so that we can keep the website, um, you know, shiny and new and fast and upgrade it. Um, but we're also delivering tangibles. Uh, for people because otherwise there's no point donating to us if you know they don't see massive improvements and we have 
real big plans for fighters. We don't want to stay small time, you know. Mm. Uh, we want to. We've got. We've got massive plans for where this is going. Brilliant. Well, we'll, we'll let's. Uh, it would be great to hear those plans as well. But um, I just wanted to say to uh, my audience that you know I followed um, Roshan and Five Pillars for a number of years now, and I've occasionally contributed to the website as well. And you know I fully believe in what these guys are doing. I know these guys are sincere. Uh, they get a lot of flack sometimes uh, by various um, people in, in uh, around around the UK, um, and yet they've continued plugging at it. Uh, so uh, you know, Islamic finance guru we generally uh, you know don't necessarily you know take on charity campaigns because that's not necessarily what we, we what we were about. Mm. But I thought it'd be useful for you guys to learn um, a you know what kind of uh, in in a sense business uh, Roshan has been developing here. Um, but also be, you know, as a Muslim community, I think we have a responsibility to support people um, like Five Pillars and like um, Roshan and Dili, um, because frankly, uh, a lot of the time, they're the only ones who can uh, be independent and say things that uh, perhaps, mm. uh, you know, you and I um, in, uh, in you know, the, the professional world with our own responsibilities, we, we may not be able to. And yeah. and I think that's that's a really important voice. And I and I may not necessarily agree with everything, uh, you know, that Russian or Five Pillars say. Um, but that's but that's you know part and parcel of life, right? You're not going to agree with everyone. Yeah. But can I say something on that, yeah. Uh, Ibrahim? Yeah. I mean, first of all, I don't agree with everything that's on Five Pillars. I probably disagree with about forty percent of it because right. <laughs> I'm uh, unlike a lot of other editors, I'm actually willing to publish stuff that I don't agree with. As long as it's professionally produced, as long as it stays within certain Islamic uh, guidelines, because we have differences of opinion in our community on politics on re and religion, uh, and I, I'm I don't want to be pushing my personal agenda on Five Pillars. I really want it to be a community platform. As for the flack we get, well, I can assure you, uh, we do get flack, but the overwhelming amount of our readers, and especially when we go around the country, uh, and, and people have heard. Of, it's amazing. Everyone's heard of Five Pillars. Not everyone, but, you know, a lot of uh, them, yeah. so many people have heard of Five Pillars, and we get overwhelming support. We get overwhelming support because people, even from the people that say, oh, I didn't like that article, but I know you guys, you know, you're doing the right thing, you're sincere, and you're trying your best. So, so yeah, we have to develop that culture of agreeing to disagree in our community. Sometimes I think it, it's like our way or the highway. Mm. Sometimes we've got to say, all right, I don't agree with that opinion. Um, I don't agree with this article, but I respect the right for it to be published. I know it does represent a certain amount of, of opinion, even if it's not mine, uh, etc. But the flack that we get, to be honest, is mainly from um, vested interests, whether they, they be in the British government who don't like what we're saying about, you know, prevent um, or uh, the counterterrorism response by the state. Um, or it's Zionists who don't like what we say about Palestine and Israel, or I have to say without naming names, it's certain vested interests within the Muslim community itself, because we have something called a Muslim establishment in this country, which is used to running institutions without much accountability, to be honest. Um, and I see that as our role to hold people to account. So when we, when we expose wrongdoing or when we question certain practices the initial response from institutions and their supporters is oh they're on the wrong path and they're just in it to do sensational journalism etc etc yeah no they should say alhamdulillah thanks for correcting us because we don't print anything 
that isn't true, hmm. you know, that isn't thoroughly checked. And people have tried to sue us, okay, but they haven't got anywhere because it's always been malicious. Hmm. And it's always been based on the fact that they got found out and we printed an accurate story. Because yeah. we only print accurate stories. We have never had one retraction in six years. I'm willing to retract and I'm willing to correct if I get things wrong. But we haven't had one, we haven't had to do that once because everything we've put on the website, I stand by 100%. Um, and and I think we have to grow up in the Muslim community. We have to we have to be more mature, and especially our community leaders who have a great responsibility, whether they're running a charity or running a mosque, because they they get their legitimacy from the community itself, which funds their institution, and therefore they have to be accountable to that community and everything that we print on five pillars that has upset certain vested interests i can tell you we got that from the community itself hmm. yeah makes sense um that, that's that's um really helpful for people who um are looking to set up things within the muslim community and within the muslim you know economy or ecosystem yeah um what i wanted to end with roshan was um just a discussion on uh, your thoughts on where Five Pillars is going and what are the big challenges that are facing uh, the Muslim uh, ecosystem, if you want to call it that, uh, where you've got a bunch of different organizations, both uh, for-profit, non-profit uh, institutions in the Muslim community. Mm. Uh, where are we heading? What's that, What's the new challenge? Where, where, where well, is the new thing coming? And where's Five well, Pillars I mean, going? Yeah, Journalism, I, I can only really talk about the, the business model of journalism, which is more difficult than other business models, simply because uh, in the age of the Internet, people expect to get their news free. They're used to getting their news free, and they're not used to paying for news, in the same, especially online, mm. in the same way that they would pay for a cup of coffee or another physical product, you know, and – I think um, that is a real challenge, not just for Muslim journalism, but journalism in general. Uh, we're really struggling to find a, a funding model. My funding model was the community should fund us. Um, and we'll keep costs low, but the community should fund us if they expect us to challenge Islamophobia and defend Islam and Muslims. Um, we're obviously under attack in this country, not just our religious, normative religious concepts, but our political concepts. We're under severe attack, and we need to tell our own stories, not wait for the mainstream media to tell us, because they won't tell us. We, they won't tell our stories fairly. We need to start setting the agenda. Uh, and like other communities, like the Jewish community, which has uh, a very kind of powerful um, low, you know, kind of community media, which sets the agenda often for the national media, that's what we need to think about. We need to you know, really get our own house in order, uh, our own community in order, and not just think humanitarian because we're great at giving to mm -hmm. humanitarian yeah. causes yeah, yeah, yeah. if there's an earthquake somewhere we're the most generous community in the country to do that but ultimately i, I give to humanitarian causes as well i'm not saying don't give to humanitarian causes uh but ultimately they are just a sticking plaster you know mm. uh they they meet an immediate need but then another disaster will happen a little time later i think we have to think more strategically right. about yeah. the future uh, and invest in projects, not, journal, not just journalism, maybe even think tanks, other kind of institutions which look at preventing problems from arising in the future, because then we won't need to the, – the disasters won't happen, you know, if we take preventative action. And I think journalism 
we don't have this culture in our community of valuing journalism whereas obviously it's 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 education you know it's it's about educating the community um about their religion about politics about how to react to when under attack etc and you need these tools to survive in this society and thrive in this society so i think we have to educate the community about the importance of independent journalism not just journalism but journalism that is truly independent and only serves the community because we have outside interests in this country and i know that because i've worked for for media which is funded by saudi arabia which is funded by qatar which is funded by iran which is funded by turkey you know and ultimately we are one brotherhood we are one ummah but we have a, a special context i think in in britain and british muslims should be funding british muslim journalism um and i mean in terms of business advice i mean i'm not the greatest businessman in the world you know uh let me say that for a start otherwise uh you know i i would um be talking to you from a beach in dubai instead of a parked car in uh, in north finchley um yeah so um but but um alhamdulillah i've had, had modest success uh and in terms of where five pillars is going in the future i mean i want i want world domination do you know what i mean i want i'm i'm like i'm very ambitious you um, want to be the rupert murdoch of the muslim world yeah, yeah. <laughs> i want i want um i want to launch five pillars i want to launch a kind of franchises like half post has half post france half post yeah, whatever yeah, i want yeah. five pillars america i want five pillars france i want it in different languages but first of all to start small because i think this is a long term thing i'll be doing this to the day i die inshallah, inshallah. um and um you know um uh, i think we need to cover britain better because it's so london centric and so many muslim stories happening in the north in manchester and birmingham and yeah, scotland yeah, and yeah. wales which just don't get covered because true, yeah. because no one bothers to turn up and mm. and i i personally want to think this is where we can add value because we live here we know the context here so i want to focus on building the brand in the uk and then go to western uh western states where there are muslim diasporas or muslim mm-hmm, communities yeah, yeah. because I, i think the muslim world is reasonably well covered by yeah. al jazeera by others you yeah, know yeah. who can do a better job than us in places like syria and egypt and elsewhere yeah, because they have the they have the resources and they have the people on the ground but i think places which are really undercovered then they're not covered well by the media are muslim communities that's in france in america um and elsewhere in the west so that i think that's my second priority um and who knows from from there onwards but i want to i want more articles on the website uh i want better articles news stories better opinion pieces better analysis pieces i want more video and i just want to kind of you know first and foremost get our own community in order so that we can um educate our own community learn from each other build our community institutions and on a wider scale i want the wider community to take notice of a voice yeah because they're clearly not doing that when we kind of beg them for 5 minutes on the mainstream media we have yeah. to we have to set the agenda and and make them take notice of our agenda um so roshan um how just finally how do people if they want to reach out to you how they how do they get in touch um is there an easy way of getting in touch with you also the, the website is five pillars uh with five being the n- number right isn't it 
five pillars with the number five pillars and and then how can they get in touch with you if they want to volunteer or just yeah well you can messages on facebook on our facebook page yeah uh we do have an email which is info at five pillars uk.com right we prefer people to send us an email so that we can read it and consider it yeah um but i think the best way to get in touch uh is uh, facebook messenger and we we might take a day to respond because we're, we're busy people but we will respond we respond to all messages um and uh the other way is info at fivepillarsuk.com, that's the email. And we read all the messages, and inshallah, we respond to all of them as well. Brilliant. Um, and then finally, to, to the audience, um, we will share the, the link to the, um, the campaign um, page where you can donate to Five Pillars and support these guys. Uh, I, I would say that if, you're, uh, if you have the time, I think you should, uh, you should get involved with Five Pillars and uh, actually engage in the kind of journalism that Roshan has been talking about. I think there's a real need there. And actually, I think there's a, there's a real commercial gap in the market here as well, if it's done properly. Um, and, all, and for everyone else, I think we should be supporting these guys. Um, you know, I, I, um, I support these guys with a direct debit. That works for me. Um, or you could give them, uh, you know, a, a lump sum, whatever works for you. Um, I think that this is such an important cause. And it's not. And the thing is, this is, this is a contribution. This is a contribution to your own future. Uh, in this country, mm. as opposed to um, you know a pure charity that goes elsewhere, this is literally you um, contributing to the future of your children and to the social discourse around Muslims in the UK today. So I would um, you know I, I'd urge you guys to do that um, and uh, and support Five Pillars. But Jazakallah Khair Roshan, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you um, on here uh, on Millionaire Muslim, um, and uh, Inshallah we'll have to get you on uh, sometime in the future as well. Uh, I'm the first uh, Muslim that's been on this podcast that isn't a billionaire, by the way. Thank you very much, uh, Ibrahim, uh, for having me on. Jazakallah. Salam alaikum.